Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. Good to be with you again. We had a great weekend last weekend at the church. Our Mexico team was back from building a house for a pastor down in Mexico as part of the church planting network we're involved in. They showed us pictures of the house they built and told us stories. So we celebrate uh, with that great project. Thank you for everybody out there who helped support that, who prayed for that, who donated to that. Uh, that's a, It's a great gift that we we're able to give about once a year, uh, maybe more, to uh, our network down in Mexico. Secondly, we had a couple baptisms last weekend. That was beautiful. That was a lot of fun. A couple of young people in our church have decided to follow Jesus, and so we baptized them, uh, and that was great. Our faith candle was lit because two people decided to follow Jesus for the first time at our pantry uh, last weekend. So thanks to all of you who volunteer uh, at the pantry and help make that happen. Uh, that's, that's a life-changing ministry. It's giving people resources and supplies they need, and also uh, a moment of prayer in which some people are making critical spiritual decisions. So uh, so it was a good week uh, all around. And thanks to all of you who have signed up to be a part of Alpha, which starts this Monday the 4th, runs four Mondays in March. Uh, Alpha is a great introduction to the Christian faith. It's a short little 20-minute video uh, accompanied by a free dinner open to the public, free to the public, catered by a restaurant. Uh, and uh, and then good conversation about what Jesus means in our lives, what he, what Jesus might mean uh, to somebody who doesn't know him yet. Uh, we've got, uh, I think, four dozen people or so signed up for Alpha, and there's still room if you go to reallife.la forward slash alpha. Just register and let us know that you're coming. Let us know if you're bringing a friend uh, because we've got to have enough food. And so we're looking forward to that. That'll be, that Alpha is always a great front door to the church. That's all the uh, the news, and it was just a beautiful weekend this last uh, weekend. And uh, and now uh, we're going to continue in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And I, I really just love this body of teachings from Jesus because they're so powerful and so otherworldly and so countercultural. The things that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount are unparalleled in any other world religion or world philosophy. And they're so challenging to my heart. When I read what Jesus says here, I feel this, this beautiful, attractive vision to a kingdom that's different than the kingdoms of the world, but also this challenge of how on earth am I going to live into this? Uh, and so we're going to continue in that today. Remember, we started with the Beatitudes, the blessings at the beginning, which say if you've been burdened by this world, if you've been burdened by the kingdoms of this world, if they've left you poor in spirit or mourning or meek or thirsting for righteousness, come and join my kingdom because my kingdom uh, is better than the kingdoms of this world. And then he gives us the the what we're going to do. You're going to be salt and light in this world. You're going to dispel shadows and you're going to preserve things that need to be preserved. And last week, last week we looked at a little caveat about the law, because now he's going to lay out his law and contrast it with the law of Moses. And he says, you, you may have gotten the impression I'm a lawbreaker, right? So that's comforting to us. He's not a legalist. But you need to know the law is not going away. Uh, in my kingdom, righteousness is radical, but that's because the law is all about love. And love is so important that we have to live it out thoroughly. And so that now brings us to today where he's going to begin to take the law of Moses 
and reinterpret it in new terms. So as we get to that, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your words that have been captured for us and preserved for us through the centuries. Thank you for the, the challenges that you have for us as we read and study and reflect. By the power of your Spirit, lay the foundations of your kingdom in our hearts. Help us to live into these um, great and powerful teachings. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. All right. Uh, now we're going to get into the, the, the actual laws, the, the principles, the guidelines, the ethical uh, groundwork that Jesus is going to lay out in the Sermon on the Mount. And you have to remember, this is a, a new era of uh, kingdom building for the people of God. In, in the beginning, they lived in Egypt and they were uh, enslaved uh, under a king. And in Egypt, the king was the law. The, whatever the king said was law. He didn't answer to anything. In, in Moses, when Moses led them out of Egypt, the law was written down. The Ten Commandments were written down on tablets, and then all the other laws were written down. And now Moses was under the law. Although it was the law of Moses because it was revealed to, to Moses, Moses was under the law, governed by the law. He was not the law himself. And when Moses, as a judge, was replaced by another judge, there were about 12 of them, they were all under the written law. So that was a new era of governance for God's people. Very thorough, about 600 different commandments about every aspect of life. And if you failed in the law, you had to go and offer sacrifices of animals on the altar to pay for your sins and then go back and follow the law again. Well, now in Jesus, we're going to see a new era of humanity's relationship to the law. Because in Jesus, his death on the cross is going to serve as a final sacrifice. And when you believe in him, you live in a, a permanent state of grace and forgiveness. You are absolutely forgiven through your faith in him and, and your belief that he died for you on the cross. Now he's going to take the law and he's going to lay it out in, in different and uh, challenging terms in, in a, a sort of a reinterpretation of what Moses said. Uh, and so we're going to pick up at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, listen to God's word. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Uh, that's in uh, the Ten Commandments. Don't murder. It's in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 20 and in Deuteronomy chapter 5, where the Ten Commandments are captured. And do not murder is, a, by the Protestant numbering, it's the, the Fifth Commandment. No, Sixth Commandment. Fifth is honor your father and mother. Sixth Commandment, do not murder. He says, you've been told do not murder, and if you do, you're going to be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which is an Aramaic term that meant empty-headed, uh, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Okay, three things. First, there's a profound shift here from behavior to the mental life. The law of Moses governed behavior. Do not murder. And you could go about not murdering and still just seethe with anger towards somebody. You could live a hypocritical life where, where you wished you could kill somebody, but as long as you didn't did it, do it, you weren't breaking the law. Jesus takes the law further. Jesus uh, switches it and con converts it to the mental life. Don't even hold on to anger towards a brother or sister. Don't even call them names. If you so much as call them a fool, you're in danger of hell. 
Because remember, he's calling us out of the kingdoms of this world. That's where it started in the Beatitudes. If the kingdoms of this world left you poor in spirit, join my kingdom, yours is the kingdom of heaven. If the kingdoms of this world left you mourning, in my kingdom all tears will be wiped away. If the kingdoms of this world left you meek and powerless, in my kingdom you will inherit the earth. Right? Jesus is calling us out of the kingdoms of this world. And in the kingdoms of this world, you can hold on to bitterness and resentment. You can get back at people with gossip and slander. But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And so he calls us not just to, to stop murdering, but to be pure in heart. Secondly, the law is obviously extreme. Uh, in my kingdom, we're not going to be mad at people. We're not going to call them names. You can't even call someone a fool, including in your Twitter account. You know how I know that Jesus never drove on the 405? You know how I know Jesus was never married? You know how I know that uh, Jesus never assembled a piece of Ikea furniture? You know how I know Jesus never rooted for the 49ers? I could go on. This is a radical law that challenges the things that we do most naturally and casually day to day. Don't, don't hold on to anger at people. Be gracious to those who have wronged you. Right? Don't even call them names. Don't insult them. Don't think bad about them. Don't talk bad about them behind their backs. And that's not, that's not an optional commandment that you can take up if you feel like it. This is this is Jesus' teachings, and you can't a la carte Jesus. You can't just take the teachings that you like or that are easy and ignore the ones that are hard or that rub against the kinds of things you do every day. What he says is, if you want to live in my kingdom instead of the kingdoms of this world, stop doing the things that the kingdoms of this world do. If you're going to call people names, go back and live in the kingdoms of this world. That is a pathway to hell. Mine is the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, this kingdom that we're laying out, we don't call each other names. Um, speaking of Ikea furniture, something that I learned about assembling Ikea furniture is that it helps if you have a vision of what the end product is going to look like, because following those instructions is mind-boggling. But if you kind of know in the end what the, the vision of the furniture that you're putting together is supposed to look like, it helps to work towards it. Also works in jigsaw puzzles and Lego creations. Doesn't work on raising kids. They're going to be who they're going to be. Just love them anyway. But, but it helps if you have a vision of what it's supposed to look like in the end. And Jesus' kingdom is the same way. Have a vision of a world in which people love each other so deeply that they're gracious to one another, even when they feel wronged, even when they're mad at someone else. They treat someone with utmost dignity because that other person is a child of God, who is beloved by God, who God wants to redeem. And God doesn't set us free to then go, go enact our own judgment on them. If we don't want to be judged, we shouldn't judge others. And so even when they have wronged us, Jesus doesn't set us free to go get them. Instead, envision a world in which people are so gracious and so forgiving and so loving that they treat one another with dignity instead of holding on to anger. Can you imagine a world like that? Can you imagine how healthy and how beautiful that world would be? That's what Jesus wants us to do. Envision that, and we're working in that direction. And if we're working in that direction, stop calling people names. Don't hold on to your anger towards other people. And you could answer back, the world's never going to be like that. That is not how the world is, and you're absolutely right. So let's just start with the church.
Let's make the church like that. Let's make the church a community that stands out as a radical contrast to the world around us. Because whereas the world around us holds on to anger and bitterness and gossip and name calling, we're not going to do that in the church. And the church will look radically different than the world. And you could say, well, the church isn't even like that. And you're right. Jesus said, you're always going to have the weed, the wheat and the chaff together. You're always going to have the the crops that you want and the weeds growing among them. That's how it's always going to be in the church. Okay, so let's not start with the church. Let's start with you. You say you follow Jesus. Don't call people names. Don't call people names on social media. Don't call people names if they are leaders of a political party or ideology you don't agree with. Don't call people names. If you do that, you're not part of the kingdom of heaven. Because those, those people that you're hating on are children whom God wants to redeem. God loves Biden. And God cherishes Trump. And God seeks redemption for Haley and Harris and Kennedy. And if you go online and you blast them because you don't have to deal with them face to face, you are insulting a child of God whom God is seeking to redeem. How do you think a father is going to react to you talking about his kids that way? So, if you want to live in the kingdom of heaven, envision it. A world in which people love each other and are gracious and good to one another and forgiving and gentle and live into that kingdom. And don't hold on to anger and don't call people names. If you want to do that, you're not pursuing the kingdom of heaven. You've taken the other fork in the road and you're going back to the kingdoms of this world that left you poor in spirit and mourning and meek and thirsting for righteousness. And you can go back and live in those worlds that rip you, those, that world that ripped you off, and it'll rip you off again and it'll be a pathway to hell. In the kingdom of Jesus, we're not going to live like that. Okay. And, and thirdly, you could say, oh, now hold on a minute. Salvation is by grace, not works, right? I mean, Jesus sounds like I'm going to hell if I call people names. I thought salvation was by grace. I thought all I had to do is believe. Yes. And faith without works is dead. And if you say you follow Jesus and then you flagrantly and repeatedly and intentionally disobey him because you don't care, you put on display exactly how much faith you have. If you want to say you follow Jesus, follow Jesus. Be faithful and discipline yourself. And don't just try to a la carte his teachings and take the ones that you like or the ones that come most easily to you. Don't call people names and don't hold on to your anger. Second section, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Uh, the second section is different. Notice there's a, a, a change here. In the first section, it was, if I'm mad at somebody else, here's what to do. In the second section, it's, if someone else is mad at me, here's what I do. If someone else has something against you. And the language of brother or sister here in Greek is adelphoi. And that is a, a word that is used for fellow disciples. This is people of the faith, people of the Christian faith. If somebody of the Christian faith, who shares the same faith that you do, who's following Jesus the way that you do, is mad at you, go make peace with them. Um, and you and I both know that we can't fix all relationships, that there are times where you just have to let things sit and settle because the person who's mad at you is not going to hear from you right now. They're not going to receive you right now. And sometimes you just have to do the best of what you can do and, and uh, not push. Right? Forgive where you need to forgive, apologize where you need to apologize, and don't push. Um, but what, what the 
the, what Jesus is saying here, what the passage is saying here is like something that parents experience. I had two kids and when they were little, you could hear them off. If they got an argument in the other room, eventually one of them would come into the room um, uh, with you. And if they knew that uh, they were, they knew they needed to appeal to you because they were having a fight with their sibling, they, they would usually try to manipulate their way into your, your good graces. And so one of them would come running in the room and say, you know, dad, I just, I love you. You're the best. And as a dad, you go, no, I heard you fighting with your sister in the other room. I heard you fighting with your brother. Go back in there and make up with them first. Don't come in here and kiss up to me. Go make up with, I, they're my kid too. Go in there and fix it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Don't go try to kiss up to God while you're getting in fights with other brothers and sisters. You're all part of the same family. Work on your relationships and your family. Don't just think that you can be buddy-buddy with God and ignore all of God's children. Here's how I think of it. There are certain relationships you're not going to be able to, to fix, at least not in the immediate future. And you have to do what's your part to do, apologize, forgive, and let go. But remember, if, if somebody else is holding something against you, or if you're, if you're holding something against somebody else, if you're both followers of Jesus, you two are going to spend eternity together. You and that person that you resent or who resents you, you're going to spend eternity together. And eternity is a long time to avoid making eye contact with someone. You're going to have to patch it up sooner or later, so it might as well get to it. That, that's what Jesus is after here. Because again, we're working on a kingdom that's different than the kingdoms of this world. A kingdom where people love to the depths of their being. And they're gracious and forgiving and not judging and not vengeant. And they don't gossip and they don't call people names. Uh, that's just how it works in this kingdom. Okay, next section, verse 25. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, who may, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So again, there's a little pivot here. The first section was if I'm mad at someone else. The second section was if another brother or sister, another believer is mad at me, hold something against me, need to go make up with them. The third section, when it says adversary here, it, the implication is that somebody outside the faith, when it's somebody who's not uh, of the same company with you, somebody who has a, a matter against you where they feel like you owe them something because you haven't uh, delivered justice to them. Um, Jesus is working towards a teaching here that where he's going to say, if someone sues you for your coat, give them, give them your shirt too. Don't fight for territory in this world. Instead, go about this world with open hands. And let God give you what he needs to give you. Let God supply you. Let God reimburse you. Don't go seeking after uh, revenge in this world, even if it's a material revenge. Don't go down the spreadsheets and tell everybody else what they owe you and have to pay you back. Uh, it's not to say that justice should not be pursued in this world. I mean, God led his people out of slavery in Egypt because he wanted them to be free. Jesus will say, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because in my kingdom, you're going to be filled. Right? The great ministry of Pastor Martin Luther King Jr. was to deliver justice to a people who had been oppressed. But he did so with grace for those who were the oppressors, praying for them and hoping for a day where their souls could be redeemed from the evils of racism that they themselves were perpetuating. Right? There's nothing wrong with pursuing justice. But remember, as you, as you live out your life, the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. Jesus, at the end of his life, would surrender, not fight for power. 
and he calls us to do the same. Don't, don't get so embroiled in a conflict with somebody, a legal conflict with somebody suing back and forth that you get your life locked down in a prison that you just can't get out of because you feel like you've never received justice. You've never gotten your, your fair uh, percentage. Uh, I knew a guy who lived in another country where the, the justice system was corrupt. And uh, he ended up in a lawsuit with, uh, with a, a company. And he sued the company and he won in the lower courts. So the company appealed up and he sued and uh, they pursued it in the next courts and the company lost again and they appealed up. And eventually it ended up in the nation's Supreme Court where the justices were so corrupt that the company could bribe them. And at the highest level, this guy lost the lawsuit. And in the process of pursuing this up through the, the levels of the court, he went bankrupt and he lost his marriage. And at the end, he still didn't have justice. Don't get caught in a prison of trying to get what's rightly yours if it just steals life from you. Don't spend time poring over spreadsheets and saying, hey, I haven't gotten my just desserts if it's just going to imprison you and take your life away. Live for the kingdom. Live with open hands. Let God deliver you his justice. Let God provide you his resources. That's life in this kingdom. So we've come a long way from don't murder right? The law is much more extreme than that. It moves from behavior to the mental life. And, and it's, it's, it's much more extreme. And it applies to uh, when we're mad at someone else, when someone else is mad at us, when we're in a, a battle with somebody who may not be a believer, right? Settle things, get on with your life and live in the kingdom. Live by principles that are different than the principles of this world. Don't hold on to anger. Don't hold on to a, a bitterness that says, I, I still haven't gotten enough justice, I need more. Don't call people names. Just don't get near me on the 405, okay? Lead me not into temptation. But if we, if we say, yeah, I haven't murdered, so I'm doing fine, Jesus will say, oh, you're way underestimating what I have in mind. You're completely underestimating what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a kingdom in which people love each other with such depth and confident faith and surrender that they just don't hold on to anger towards one another. They're merciful. And when you're merciful to others, you'll be shown mercy. I'm, I'm painting a picture of a kingdom in which people forgive, uh, even when um, they've, they've been wrong, when they've truly been wrong. And they, they live in life with open hands, because they know God will take care of them. They really and truly believe it's all in God's hands. And yeah, the world will never fully be like that on this side of heaven. But let's start with the church. And the church will never fully be like that. So let's start with you and me. And when we do this together, when we seek to live into the, the kingdom that Jesus is building here, we may slowly build a community, which will not be perfect, but which will be just a taste of the kingdom of heaven. And as we lay that out for the world, it will be irresistible. If you and I, over the course of the next year, seek to just love and bless one person in Jesus' name, the way Jesus has blessed us, to invite them into his kingdom the way we've been invited into his kingdom, the church will double and we'll have a revival like the world has never known. But remember, you stand at a fork in the road. If you don't want the kingdom of heaven, go back and live in the kingdoms of this world. And those 
in the end are a pathway to hell. Jesus would say, my kingdom lives, leads to life. Uh, enjoy the fact that this isn't just a command, it's a promise. If you live into this kingdom, it's, it's not just something you have to do, it's something that's for you. You're being, invi in, being invited into a world in which people are not going to hold onto their anger towards you, in which people will not call you names even behind your back, in which people will forgive you even when you've wronged them, in which people will treat you with grace before you treat them with grace. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's what the church is supposed to look like. And it's, a, it's not just a command, it's a promise. This is a vision that Jesus has for you because that's the world he wants to give you. He wants to give you a world in which you understand how deeply you are cherished, how much you deserve dignity because you are a, a creation that he has made with value. Come and live in his kingdom and you get to receive his kingdom. Um, at the end of teachings like this, it's tempting to walk away and say, it, it sounds like he's, he's trying to make me a, a welcome mat for people to walk across. It, it sounds like what Jesus is calling us to, or what the pastor is telling me, is actually kind of weak because there's not enough fight in it. The way of Jesus was the way of the cross, but the way of the cross is not weak. In fact, the cross itself did something powerful in human history that you may not be aware of. In the church, we talk a lot about the, the spiritual power of the cross, that it brings an end to sin and death, that we're atoned for and forgiven, and all of that is true. But you may not know a little fact of history. The cross of Jesus brought an end to crucifixion. See, the Romans used crucifixion as a, a horrible, shaming torture to show the enemies of Rome what they would get. People would be crucified, often on the, long, on the side of public roads, to show any would-be threats to the empire what was going to happen to them. It was a powerful deterrent. But not long after Jesus died on the cross, word began to circulate that he had been seen risen from the dead. Not even this horrible terrible torture of Rome had the power to keep him down. The, the power of crucifixion itself was being taken away. And in the early days of the church, we have records that show that not only did Christians willingly submit to martyrdom at the hands of Roman persecution, some of them sought it out. And some of them even sought to die by crucifixion so that they could die like Jesus did. And the Romans were aghast that this, this torture that they had come up with to, to deter people and to scare people off was now something that Christians seemed to embrace like a badge of courage. It was Emperor Constantine in the fourth century that would finally ban crucifixion because he himself had become a Christian because his mom was a Christian and prayed for him. But crucifixion was already on its way out the door because the Romans were embarrassed at how much the Christians had just lived into it. And for a thousand years, crucifixion disappeared from world history because the cross itself was not weak. It was powerful. And the crucifixion of Jesus brought an end to crucifixion. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross. It's not a, it's not a pathway of power mongering or coercion or force. It's a path of surrender to God in the name of love. And living out his grace towards other people, even when they're not good to us. And then 
one at a time, inviting them to join a kingdom in which they will be deeply loved. Let's build that kingdom together. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you call us out of the broken, uh, hurtful kingdoms of this world and into your kingdom. May your kingdom take root in our hearts. Teach us to live with the kind of love that you have for all of us, to be gracious to one another, to release our anger, to not call one another names, but instead to forgive and to be generous and to settle matters that need to be settled so we can go on living free life in your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Go be the church. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.